This is Past Perfect, CU Medieval Radio's program on medieval and early modern history and culture, in association with Civil Radio FM 98. Hello there, and welcome back. CU Medieval Radio is back on again with Past Perfect, CEU Medieval Radio's show in medieval and early modern history and culture in association with Civil Radio FM 98. Now, joining us today is Dr. Magdalna Silagi. Dr. Silagi is an archaeologist at the National Heritage Protection Center, affiliated with the Hungarian National Museum in Budapest. And um, she's also a very recent graduate of the Department of Medieval Studies at CEU. So we're going to talk today about her recently defended dissertation. Dr. Silagi, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for the invitation. It's a great pleasure for me to be here. So, um... If I may read, the title of your dissertation is Arpad Period Communication Networks, Road System in Western Transdanubia. So it's about medieval roads in Western Hungary. Uh, would you mind telling us a little bit about the practical aspects connected uh, to these medieval roads? Yes, certainly. There is a topos in common knowledge that due to badly passable roads and the dangers of highways, people traveled only little in the Middle Ages. And uh, we can count with only inward-looking societies that lived uh, more or less isolated. However, if we consider that uh, how varied motives for traveling uh, people had, we can count with quite frequented roads in the Middle Ages. People were willing to take uh, long journeys to places of pilgrimage, uh, to universities, to annual fairs, and also shorter but more regular routes were taken to uh, weekly markets, churches, fields. And we also had to take into consideration that there were no means of telecommunication in the Middle Ages, so even if people tried to discuss a matter uh, with each other, they had to visit each other because there were no mobile phones, no internet, no television. Mm -hmm. So that was the only way to contact and communicate. The communication issue is really fascinating in, in terms of the road networks. But uh, before we get to that, my other main question is in terms of usage of the roads. Um, is it just people um, walking on them? Or what sort of means of transportation did they use on the roads um, in the medieval period, roughly? In the Middle Ages, people used carts mainly for transportation, but not for traveling. So they could either walk or ride a horse. But So carts were mainly used for transporting goods from their places of production to that of selling and to their use and consumption. And uh, we have quite a lot of terms referring to the different uh, means of transportation and communication. For instance, there are terms for cart roads, both in Latin and in vernacular Hungarian language. So um, in terms of this communication, if you wanted to send a letter to someone on, you know, using the road network, I mean, let's say I am in... Sombate, and I want to send a letter to someone in Buda, what would happen from point A to point B offhand? <laughs> well, there is a, a nice term that I found in a Hungarian charter for a type of road which is uh, called in Hungarian Sagudo Ut, 
and this term means that this is a road on which people were rushing. <laughs> so I think it could have been a, a kind of road on which uh, messengers were traveling, but it was available only for those people who were more affluent. Poorer people needed to take that message on their own. Along the lines of money matters, were there a lot of tolls involved? Uh, yes, certainly, especially at places where travelers couldn't find or were not able to find other ways. For example, where they had to cross a, a river, so they needed to cross a bridge, and it was an ideal place for collecting tolls. Mm -hmm. But people certainly did not really like paying tolls, so that's why they tried to find detours, and uh, this is how the so-called illegal routes came into existence. And these illegal routes are called uh, via farsa in charters, and King's uh, normal regulated that uh, these routes cannot be used, and travelers and merchants need to uh, use the legally promoted routes where there were quite a lot of tours on the way. I can imagine. There's that brilliant scene in uh, Robin Hood Men of Tights where Little John is standing at the bridge over a tiny, tiny little creek and demanding a toll because... A toll is a toll, and a roll is a roll. And if we don't get no tolls, then we can't eat no rolls. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, it's interesting to think that, you know, I mean, people don't like paying for things. So if you could find a way around something, I'm sure you'd go for it. But um, I'm trying to imagine what these roads look like. Are they footpaths or are they dirt paths? Let's start with the false roads first. Well, in the Middle Ages, you do not really have roads with definite boundaries and roads that were formerly constructed. Mm -hmm. This is true for the Roman period and for the uh, modern period. In the Middle Ages, you have mainly routes or easements, the right of way from one point to another. So it could be multiple tracks at some sections because uh, some parts of the route could be blocked and people try to find other ways or at times of heavy rain, they tried to find other routes that were less muddy and dirty. So there were quite a lot of motives that uh, could make them find different ways, but otherwise they could get from one town to another on a given route, which cannot be taken really strictly as in the modern period or in the Roman period. Right, and you know, you don't get a lot of off-roading getting from Buda to Sombate. There is a nice motorway there. For Transdanubia in the Middle Ages, are there any paved roads? Uh, yes, there are. For example, in the Pilish area, there is a road that is covered with stone slabs, and it is likely to have been used by the king and by his uh, retinue. It was uh, supposed to be a Roman road for a long time, a period of time, but now, on the basis of topographical considerations, it can be considered as a medieval road. It passes by uh, medieval monasteries, so it must have been used in the Middle Ages. But otherwise, in the Middle Ages, you have mainly dirt roads that uh, simply developed through use and due to the fact that they were quite frequented. Okay, and a bit more of a broader question now. Um, you mentioned earlier the Romans, so of course I have to ask them um, for Transdanubia as well as other parts of Europe. Um, were Roman roads reused a lot uh, in the Middle Ages? 
yes certainly it was quite at hand to use these already existing roads that were covered with uh, stone or with uh, gravel and it was quite advantageous especially at times of rain that it was not the muddy dirty medieval roads that had to be used but these roman roads even after centuries of decay could be better used at times of bad uh, weather conditions and uh, what i found is that it is particularly true for the salt roads i found quite great similarities or correspondences between medieval salt roads and roman roads and you know salt is particularly quite heavy and it requires solid surface uh, for its transportation but in other parts of transanubia you can also find great correspondences between the roman roots and the medieval roots so um in the first segment we talked a little bit about uh, how roads were used and a little bit of what to expect and i wanted to talk in this some particular section here about going into a bit more specifics about the roads themselves so for instance let's start off with a very basic question um what types of roads were there in the middle ages well on the basis of the physical remains uh, no subtle difference can be made between different types of roads this is a question where the written sources and uh, the names of settlements and fields uh, preserved by early modern maps come in the picture and I have collected different terms for roads on a selected territory, which is Western Transanubia. And I found that there are some terms that are used quite frequently and uh, try to interpret their meaning and make some conclusions on the use and the character of the roads themselves. So, on the basis of that, I uh, differentiated between eight uh, main categories of the terms occurring in written sources. And uh, what I found is that these categories are rather the aspects of roads. So, they reflect different information or different uh, qualities of roads. For example, I found some terms describing the functional aspect of roads. For example, I found terms on pilgrims' routes, military roads, trade roads, ecclesiastical, agricultural, and industrial roads. For example, among the trade routes, you can mention the market roads uh, called in Hungarian Vásárút or Vásárosút, or the salt roads, Sóút, Via Salifera, or wine routes, Porhordóút. And it was quite interesting for me to discover that these terms are not unique for Hungary, but you can also find these terms in other parts of Europe. Even in England, you can find the same terms describing a type of road. Mm -hmm. Related to the function, then, of these roads, you list quite a few categories in this regard, and... Would you say that that's sort of the most common way that people visualized these roads in the Middle Ages, that it's called such and such because this is how it's used? I think that the terms uh, used for roads is quite practical. So the same road could be called in different ways if they try to emphasize different aspects of the road. For example, there are some terms where you can find different attributes of the same road. For example, 
via Regni Magna Lapidosa. So this is the same road, but different aspects of that road. So it is a great road, it belongs to the legislation of the king, and also it is a road that is covered with stone. But this is the same road. I found some examples for terms where you have the description of the same road in Latin and in Hungarian, and I found these terms uh, quite exciting because these uh, helped me to interpret the meaning of the roads themselves. For example, this Semita Vulgo Dialogut Dicta, this is certainly a fool's pass that is named both in Latin and in Hungarian, and now you know how to interpret the Semita. And also, you can find uh, quite a lot of examples where the same road, the same physical track is called in different ways, such as via antiqua que gregum via dicitur. It is different aspects of the same road. It was an old road, but it was used for droving cattle on that road. Okay. But again, this is the same uh, route in the landscape. That's interesting that there's such a connection between the Hungarian and the Latin names for the roads. Do you think that it's fairly common to see that sort of connection between what a road's called in the vernacular and what it's called in the written sources, or is there ever a confusion? In most of the cases, I found that the vernacular term uh, usually covers quite close the Latin term, so there is a quite great correspondence between the two. Okay, um, I see. Looking at the, the table of contents for your dissertation, it's clear that there is a hierarchy of the roads involved um, that are used by people. Could you tell a little bit about the different types of roads and which roads were seen as being nicer and which ones were sort of like, you know, oh, let's save that for the poor people and the cows? Well, usually you can um, differentiate between uh, different types of roads in terms of hierarchy. And well, I differentiated between four main types. There were long-distance routes, provincial routes, regional routes, and local routes, and try to find the terms that cover these different levels of hierarchy. And what was quite uh, interesting for me is that people didn't really want to get from one point to another on one road, but they chose the route according to their needs. So, for example, I investigated more closely a road that connected Sombathei and Rum, and what I found is that along the stream Jungers, there were two sections of this road. Along the left bank of the road, it passed through settlements, and people used this if they wanted to go from one village to another because uh, it was a minor road. Whereas on the right bank of the stream, the road uh, didn't really go through settlements, so it was uh, rather used by those who wanted to travel greater distances. It was like a modern motorway, so they didn't uh, want to enter the settlements and waste time with that, but they wanted to, to travel as fast and as directly as they were able to. A local and, and express, essentially. Mm -hmm. Roughly speaking, about how big are these roads? Well, it mainly depended on the uh, means of transportation and the, the method they used the road. What I found is that it was mainly the minimum requirement that they kept for the road. So for a 
whose path quite a, a narrow track was uh, suitable, but for for transportation with a cart, they needed a obviously a wider road. Well, in Hungary, we can conclude for the width of the roads from the width of the carts, because you do not really have any data for the width in written sources. So they do not describe how meters or how feet wide they were. But I have a nice source from uh, County Clermont that I use as an analogy for the Hungarian examples. This source divides the roads occurring in Clermont into five groups. And if you allow me, I will read some details. By all means. The first type is four feet wide, called a pass. And these paths were made so that you could go from one road to another, or from one town to another. And no car should go on a pass at any time when it could cause damage to the land or things built nearby. The second type of road that was made was eight feet wide, called a cart track, and on such a road cars could go one behind the other. The third type of road which was made is 16 feet wide, and on these carts can go to a breast with a pass on either side. The fourth type of road was 32 feet wide, and cars can go on this and animals can stop and graze or rest without offense. The fifth type of road which were made were those which uh, Julius Caesar had made. And obviously this um, latter type of road was a Roman road, which are the widest uh, in any country that was formerly occupied by the Romans. So I, I use this source as an analogy for the Hungarian examples. And what I found exciting about this is that uh, it used the, the width of the cart as a measurement. Mm -hmm. So whether only one cart could travel on that, or two carts abreast, or no cart at all, because it was simply a fool's pass and it would have destroyed the surface of the road. Very interesting. So if a road is like 64 feet wide, it means that there's, you know, it's like a essentially a multi-lane highway. There's lots of carts that can be going to and from it on this sort of road then. Yes, exactly. And, you know, this was not a medieval road, but uh, it was a Roman road that was designed for marching Roman troops. So it was quite uh, usual for the Roman Empire when they occupied a new territory the roads were the first thing that they constructed there so that they uh, could use these roads for transportation and their army could proceed on these roads more easily than on the local dirt roads. Also, one more question before we go to a break. If, looking at the different categories of roads, there's something that's been um, intriguing me. Ecclesiastical roads. Um, what exactly do you mean by that? It's a type of function of the road uh, according to your scheme. How do roads serve functions for the church? Well, there were particularly two main types of roads that I could involve here. This is church roads and corpse roads. As in the Middle Ages, not every settlement had a church of its own, but as, for example, in the legislation by uh, King Stephen, you can find that uh, every ten settlement had to 
build a church. People from settlements without a church had to access the church on roads, and these were uh, mainly footpaths that enabled the villagers to get to the other village quite fast and in an easy way. And corpse roads? Well, it is again connected with that uh, the dead had to be buried in cemeteries uh, belonging to the parish churches. So there is quite great uh, similarity between church roads and corpse roads. So on these roads, the church and the churchyard was accessed. So it was taboo to bring essentially dead bodies on roads that the living used? Is that what I'm getting out of this? Or was just just like roads to make it easier for the dead to get to the cemetery? Um, I don't think it would have been legally defined that they were not allowed to use much frequented roads for the transportation of the dead, but it was uh, not uh, really practical because the main routes were usually connecting the villages. So it was more practical to use the footpaths for getting from one village to the churchyard of another village. I see. I still think Corpse Road sounds like a great black death metal band, but uh, <laughs> there you go. I wanted to ask you, would you mind telling us a little bit first, more specifically, about the sort of um, findings that you had when you were looking at Vash County in western Hungary? Well, Vash County was a research area for me where I could test all my hypotheses based on the different terms. And I tried to reconstruct the road system of a county and find how these different types of roads were used in practice uh, by the example of uh, one given territory. And um, for what you found for Vash County, would you say, is it fairly typical, in your opinion, for road systems we find elsewhere? This is quite a special territory because it was on the border of uh, medieval Hungary. and. What I found is that it defined to a great extent the settlement system and the road system, that it was a border county. So the uh, western part of the county belonged to the marchland called Yepu uh, in Hungarian. And it was a vast border area where communication could take place only under the control of uh, military guards. And uh, you don't really have uh, much settlements in the first centuries of the Apart period in that area. Whereas to the east from the former Amber route, you have quite a lot of settlements and a dense road network. And as the marchland uh, dissolved from the late uh, second century on, the settlement started uh, to appear in the western area as well, and small routes uh, started to develop uh, between them. So it is um, quite interesting how the military and the political circumstances define the topography and in terms of settlement system and road system. I see. Well, I'd imagine that makes a certain amount of sense where you're not going to have a road that goes over like a gigantic mountain when you can just go right around it. Or I remember you mentioning the marshes, and mm -hmm. um, from what I've read about the development of um, certain places like the town of Sekeshvaherovar, for instance, I mean, what, what I've heard is that one of the reasons that, you know, there was a very nice pilgrim road that went through it, if I remember, and 
one of the reasons that the Mongols weren't able to take it apparently was the fact that the city was surrounded by marshes and swamps, so it had a bit of a natural border in that regard. Yes, that's right. The marshes could be created also artificially, so uh, quite big dams were created, and we have some uh, data about when Hungary was attacked by the enemy, these dams were destroyed and the marches were created so that uh, they could stop the movement of the enemy troops. So you've done a lot of work on, on Vashkandi so far, um, and so I have to ask, are you planning on trying to look at roads all over medieval Hungary uh, afterwards? Well, my initial plan when uh, doing my dissertation was doing uh, an investigation on the entire territory of Transanubia. Mm -hmm. But when I started collecting the data, I realized that there are so many data that it was not possible to do it at that depth mm -hmm. that I did uh, for one county. So what is possible is to make um, comparisons to my findings in, in Vash County. And I, I, uh, at the moment, I am collecting uh, data from other parts of Hungary as well, but I'm not trying to reconstruct the whole uh, road system of these uh, counties because it is an impossible task. What my aim is that I try to test uh, whether these findings uh, that I made for Vash County also work for other parts of Hungary. So, as I have already mentioned you, it was uh, quite decisive for County Vash that it was a border county. So, it would be exciting to compare this county with another county that is inside the kingdom or the topography or the geomorphology of which is quite different from that. So um, county from the Great Hungarian Plains would be exciting to compare. Are there other experts in the field who you could um, compare data with? Yes, that's right. You know, there are uh, quite a lot of local investigations going on, not only in, in Hungary, but also in other counties of Central Europe. And what would be exciting to do is to share our ideas with each other and compare our latest findings. What is quite new today is that archaeology becomes more and more involved in the investigation of medieval roads. It was um, more a tradition for uh, the investigation of Roman roads to use the methods uh, and data brought up by archaeology. And now what seems to be a new development is that medieval roads are started to be investigated by um, archaeological methods in several parts locally. So this was the reason that uh, gave us the idea to make a research group where we can involve our colleagues and discuss our findings. And we had a kickoff meeting on the 1st of June this year where we had some experts from Hungary, but also from Austria, Mihailo Popovic from the Austrian Academy of Sciences, or Oana Toda from uh, Cluj, from the Babes Bolyai University. And we are trying to make a website also where uh, we can share our ideas. And what would be a good idea is to convene regularly both in the form of uh, informal discussions and also in the form of workshops and conferences. 
sounds very exciting. And are there plans um, with this research group eventually to publish the results of uh, what you find and what you, all the data that you compare with each other? At the moment, what uh, we would like to do is to collect all those already published uh, articles that were made by our uh, members and put uh, the data of these uh, publications on the website mm -hmm. so that everyone that is uh, interested in this topic could find these publications collected. And yes, in the future, it would be nice to come out with a common book or a collection of essays. So we have quite a lot of ideas and expectations. Hopefully, we will have quite a lot of members in time. Uh, is the website up or is it still in development? The website is still under development. Uh, hopefully, it will be available in a few months. Um, be sure to send it uh, to us once it's done. I'm sure the listeners uh, back home, if they want to find out more, might be interested in it. I had the privilege of reading um, your dissertation when uh, it was in the pre-defense phase, and I really, really enjoyed it, I must say. And I wanted to ask you, um, are there plans to publish uh, what you found in the future? Uh, yes, I would like to publish uh, the dissertation at least in, in two volumes, in two books. As you have seen, there are basically two main parts of the dissertation. The first part deals with the terminology of medieval roads and the use of the different types of roads, whereas the second part deals with the uh, territory of Wash County. Well, the first part is going to be published hopefully next year, and uh, I am working on it at the moment. What I would like to do is to uh, use other data collected from other parts of Hungary as well, because in the dissertation I dealt with mainly the territory of Western Hungary. So I try to involve new data and new aspects uh, of roads. So around when do you think it will be published? Hopefully it will come out in June uh, next year. Uh, just the first volume? This is going to be a, an English volume published by the Archeolingua, mm -hmm. but the, the second volume is uh, going to be publishing in, in Hungarian, and I haven't found a publisher for that yet. It is rather local uh, historical topic, so I think I will find a museum or an archives uh, in Vash County and try to work with them, but it is still a plan. Very, very good. Uh, until then, though, um, is your dissertation uploaded to the Electronic Thesis Database at CEU? Yes, that's right. It is available. Okay, so for those of you who can't wait until June, um, it is available online. And essentially, if you Google CEU Electronic Thesis Database, and you should be able to find it there, no problem. I think that's it for our show. Um, Dr. Silagi, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure having you here. Thank you for the opportunity for being here. And um, for the listeners back home, we thank you very much for tuning in. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.medievalradio.org. Send us an email at medievalradio at ceu.hu. And be sure to like us on Facebook. Thank you very much for